There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant with 27 years of service. And with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. Uh, Looking to dig into this one again. It's uh, kind of a real odd case. You know, it's sort of um, these prisoner escapes. It sort of captures the imagination and also the fear, and not unwarranted, the fear of, of fellow Americans that, you know, there's prison, prisons all over, prisons and jails all over this country. And to see that someone this dangerous uh, could escape with the help of a correction officer, that there aren't those stop gaps in place that could prevent this six foot nine inch, 260 pound uh, murderer to just walk out of prison with a correction officer who is smitten, I'll use that word smitten with him, uh, almost defies logic that there's not enough security in this and and protocols. What is the protocol? Of course, she violated protocol also because she was a boss. So here she is a boss. She goes in and removes a six foot nine inch most dangerous inmate by herself and takes him to an appointment that didn't exist. And for us, as investigators, former police officers, to think there is no stop gaps in this. There's no checks and balances. She was able to do this, and that's disturbing. She was very familiar with the system, obviously. I mean, she worked in the correction in that specific jail almost 17 years, and I believe she was employed uh, somewhere, somehow in the corrections uh, system for over over 20 years. Anyway, Phil, it was um, it was actually 20, 20, 25 years. She was hired in 1997. She joined the Laurel, Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office. So they were mistaken yesterday, 16. She's been there for 25 to 26 years. So just right. that's another point. She threw sure. everything away for this six foot nine inch mope that's, you know, a bad, bad murderer. She threw her whole life away, you know. I have more on her background, which I'll get into later. But to me, it's it's really tough to understand. Yeah, it's very tough to understand. And I think uh, I read a lot of the comments. Actually, I read almost all of the comments last night. Uh, there may have been some today that I didn't read, but I answered a couple of them. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Now, my, my uh, investigative background, my uh, experience has always been, uh, I, I use the, the acronym kiss keep it simple stupid uh this isn't uh you know that people had her uh kidnapping him because to get revenge for something that he did in his past and maybe she's gonna kill him and i don't think any of those conspiracy theories are gonna you know show through that uh, that they were uh, accurate um it's really just a matter of she was uh at a vulnerable stage in her life she went into a fantasy world apparently because if she thought or she thinks till now that she's going to take this guy out of jail and the two of them are going to sneak away and live happily ever after. It's just not going to happen that way. Uh, she, she dove into a, a fantasy world. Uh, like I said, I think if, if uh, I had a guess, uh, my opinion, she's very vulnerable, probably lonely, probably low self-esteem. This inmate uh, put her up on a pedestal. He, I'm going to use some harsh language. He basically bullshitted the pants off of her. And, you know, the bottom line is, is that they engaged in criminal activity. You know, he wants to escape from jail. She's helping him. And she threw a lot of uh, hard years of uh, her career out the window. And, uh, you know, if she does decide to, you know, turn around at this point, uh, the, penalties will probably be less severe if they continue to go on the run and somebody gets hurt or they commit more crimes, which, you know, they're going to be desperate and things at some point they'll run out of money or, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, even with money, I, I, we made the points yesterday that you have to use credit cards and, and identification to check into hotels. If they want to get rid of the car and buy another car, it's going to be difficult for them. So bottom line is, is that this is a fantasy in her mind, I believe. And, uh, 
it's not going to end well for either one of them. Hopefully uh, it ends without any violence, but it's just a matter of time. And and I was hoping when I uh, got up today that I looked at the newspaper or the internet and I was going to see that they had been captioned, but I'm sure it's, uh, it's inevitable. On the screen is a picture of Vicki White on what she would look like uh, with her hair, obviously styled differently, her hair dyed uh, brown, not like in the picture you saw. So there's some little facts about her. She's five foot five inches tall. She uh, weighs 145 pounds. As I said previously, in 1997, she joined the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office. She went on to become the office's assistant director of corrections. So I don't know if that's just a big title that doesn't come with money, but it sounds like a pretty uh, important title. And for someone in a position like that to throw it all away for this um, lifer is just seems crazy. In 2002, she and Thomas Edward White got married. She was six years younger than him. They raised cattle on a farm. She later left him when his drug problems exacerbated. In 2006, she and Tommy divorced. So she was really only married for four years. Uh, she's not related to Casey Cole White, the prison inmate. Uh, he was accused of fatally stabbing Connie Jane Ridgway, 59 years old, who was found dead on October 23rd. 2015 in the living room of a home at the Meadowland Apartments on Prince Drive in Rogersville, Alabama. Between 2015 and 2022, Piers voted uh, Vicki White as supervisor or employee of the year four times, all right? She divorced Tommy, uh, and she remained friendly with him um, and his mother, Frances Dolores White. In January 2022, he died from complications related to Parkinson's disease. So all you people with conspiracy theories that um, Casey White murdered him. That goes out the door right here. He died from complications of Parkinson's disease. She once told Francis about eventually retiring to Florida. That's um, Francis Dolores White. In March 2022, she spoke to Francis White, who's 32 years older than her. In the same month, she sold her home and talked about going to the beach, according to Lauderdale County Sheriff Rick Singleton. On April, which is this month, or last month, she submitted her retirement papers in the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office, Assistant, Assistant Director of Corrections. April 29th was her last day, and at 9.41, she picked up Casey from the Lauderdale County Detention Center in Florence, uh, breaking protocol. Armed with a 9mm handgun, she told the booking officer that she was escorting him to a courthouse appointment, which, appointment, which turned out not to exist. At 11.34, her 2013 Ford Taurus patrol car was spotted in a shopping center parking lot in Florence. The fact that the two were missing was not realized until around 3.30 p.m. She's 56 years old when he and Casey went missing on April 29th. She's 18 years older than him. On May 1st, 2022, U.S. Marshal Service offered up a $10,000 reward for information leading authorities to find them. Uh, as the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office Assistant Director of Corrections, she was an exemplary employee with an unblemished record before she went missing on April 29th. Uh, on May 2nd, uh, it was announced that a warrant was issued for her arrest. On May 3rd, the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office announced that investigators received information from Lauderdale County Detention Center inmates that she and Casey had a special relationship. My God. Uh I, you know, they had a relationship apparently for over two years and uh, the sheriff, Rick Singleton, he um, took back something he had said yesterday. He had said that she had gone to visit him at the state prison. Apparently, uh, upon checking those logs, that was incorrect. What was correct was that they had corresponded via telephone. And Phil, we spoke yesterday that if you're a state prison inmate, you don't get free calls that are unwarranted or unmonitored. They're recorded. So you do not have privacy of your phone call. You do not have privacy over your mail. Some of you folks that don't know about corrections or being convicted of a felony in this country may think, oh, my God, that's a violation of his civil rights. He doesn't have the same civil rights as a person, a free person. He's a convicted felon. So he's not allowed to talk freely on his phone. So they knew about this. So why was there no, uh, you know, we talked about the inspector general that covers corrections. It's like their internal affairs division. Why was there no investigation on her over this? You know, Billy, um, 
I think uh, you're making some really, really good points, but I want to dive back into her past. Now, you brought up the point that she was married to someone who was drug addicted, and then she divorced him when his drug addiction became too much. Now, that shows me, and that's why I'm getting to the point where I'm saying that she was uh, low self-esteem, that she was very lonely. She, she sounds like the kind of person that had the personality that she wanted to help this individual. She was going to help this ex-husband of hers uh, through his drug problems. When his drug problems became too much to handle, she divorced him. However, she stood in contact with him. She tried, she tried to help him. So again, she might be a person that uh, puts herself out there to try and help people. And the sob story that this uh, Casey White gave to uh, Vicky uh, may have been uh, so, uh, you know, believable that she decided to throw her, basically throw her life away and try and help him. Maybe he told her he was uh, wrongfully convicted, that he didn't do all of these things. He sweet-talked her, and she has the personality that she believes in people and she's going to help him. And that might be what's going on here. I mean, I'm just going based on what we know about her past. So I think that that's... uh, one of the components of how this thing spiraled out of control. Uh, again, you brought up the point that she was a supervisor in the jail. She probably knew just what she could get away with. She architect this whole uh, fake uh, medical, uh, psychological, whatever it was, evaluation that he was supposedly going to. And that gave them the opportunity to slip out to jail. The plan was set in motion. She obviously sold her property. She bought a new car. And uh, she put in her retirement papers just uh, that day or the day before, and it was going to take effect uh, at the end of that day. So again, this was all planned out. Uh, Maybe it was architect with uh, Casey, as well as her input as far as how they could get away with it, what they could do. But I'm seeing a picture of someone who uh, was obviously... uh, you know, uh, uh, she was fooled uh, terribly. And I think that she was, uh, uh, you know, uh, being given uh, a story by this guy and we'll find out, you know, for sure. Uh, one last thing, um, erroneously, I did say that the car was found. I did read that on the internet yesterday that they dumped the car. I don't know if that's true or not true. Billy, before we went on. Oh yeah. I've checked on that and I couldn't find anywhere where they said the car was recovered. That There there were also stories about that she was traveling two hours away to go visit him, that that turned out not to be true. They only corresponded through phone. So again, there's, you know, when things are uh, kind of fresh and and they're they're liquid, they're happening quickly. Sometimes uh, inaccurate facts are put forth. Well, the Sheriff Rick Singleton took umbrage that the, the uh, car and the plate number was identified and put out there by the federal marshals. However, you know, this in, this case now is taken over by the federal marshals, and they're the number one law enforcement agency that's going to look for these two. So they're the ones that are going to be making the call. Tara Ellis, thank you so much for the 499 Super Chat. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of folks, too, in the chat, new members. We're so thrilled that you're joining the... Uh, Police Off the Cuff YouTube family. Here's a new member up here. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining our family. Uh, We always can use the support. Guys, if you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up, and you can uh, support us on our Patreon that we have three different levels. And if you want to become a member of the uh, Police Off the Cuff family, you join us, and we have five different levels on our YouTube family. And the folks... In the chat with the green font, they're part of our YouTube family, and we really appreciate you guys. And there's the new member, Vanessa. Good to see you, Vanessa. Who's that cutie with you? Uh, little baby. Um, so, yeah, th- you know, this this case is, you know, I just, I just know it's not going to end well. It really is not going to. And I fear uh, for Vicki White, the correction officer, because... You know, you could say that she has what's called Stockholm Syndrome. She identified with the prisoner the other way around. She identified, in essence, he's her captor. And he's her captor through like sort of like mind control. And she wasn't in a good place in her life. And she did some really, really foolish thing. And uh, this situation is only going to get worse the longer they're out there. And we had said yesterday... Uh, yeah, Peter Rabbit. Yes, he brainwashed her. Absolutely. Um, 
We had said yesterday, once she is no use to him, he will just kill her. He's a savage. He is a, you know, career criminal. He is very manipulative. You ask anyone that's ever worked in corrections, the manipulation that the inmates try to use upon uh, the correction officers is beyond, you know, we talk about a job with uh, PTSD. I think correction officers probably have it worse than police because they're inside with these, uh, you know, inferior human beings. Up, I'm going to put it that way. If someone doesn't, they like go to it, jail every day when they go to work. So yeah, right, exactly. They, they say a correction officer that does 20 years spends like seven years in prison or mm-hmm. seven years locked down. I mean, just think of that. Listening to some of these morons and their, uh, you know, I don't think they can say a sentence without using the word MF in it. You know. And just imagine listening to that every day. I'm going to play a little bit of um, Dan Abrams on uh, News um, News Nation. I think he has a pretty good take on this stuff. I'll, I'll just play a little bit here. Listen to old Dan. The massive manhunt continues tonight for the corrections officer and confessed murderer who remain at large. This after Vicki White allegedly helped Casey White, no relation, escape a Florence, Alabama jail. Last night on this show, the Lauderdale County, Alabama sheriff confirmed to us that they had a, quote, special relationship. And tonight we have new information that authorities are investigating. Inmate White and Vicki White have known each other since at least 2020, when inmate White was first transferred to the Lauderdale County Jail for an arraignment before being moved to prison. According to the sheriff, they kept in touch. He was here in 2020 for an arraignment and a uh, preliminary hearing. And uh, he, when he finished that, he went back to state prison. Uh, we do know that they remained in touch. Now, this is not the first time a special relationship between an inmate and jail employee led to an escape. And in just a moment, we'll talk with a woman who was a corrections officer about her experience with inmates trying to con her and others into helping them and how they do it. The last time the pair were seen was on Friday. You can see Vicki White escorting inmate White out of the Lauderdale County Detention Center. She claimed she was taking him to the courthouse for a mental health evaluation. But no appointment was scheduled. The pair left the detention center alone in her patrol car, which is a violation of department policy that required Casey be escorted by two sworn deputies, which is a violation of department. You know, Phil, I just want to uh, play this back again, because if you see like obviously her her body language you know and we get all these again body language experts but you could just see that she has no she's so lackadaisical required casey be escorted by two sworn deputies that policy was put in place after authorities uncovered his previous plan to escape in 2020 there was also this video the pair driving in her patrol car just before they turned into a shopping center less than half a mile from the detention center that's where the car would later be found A 38-year-old murder suspect who is 6'9 and weighs more than 250 is not only facing the possibility of the death penalty for capital murder, but is already serving a 75-year sentence for attempted murder and burglary. An arrest warrant is out for Vicki White, who's 56, on charges of permitting or facilitating escape in the first degree. U.S. Marshals put together two images that would show the height difference between Casey White and Vicki White in relation to each other and also the car that they were driving. They also just released these images showing the tattoos of inmate white. You know, Phil, another thing, you can notice these tattoos that they're jail tattoos, they're prison tattoos, because the way you could tell is they're very amateurish. And the second way is there's only like very little ink. It's either black ink. There's not a ton of different colors. Not not a lot of color, uh, yeah. Right, that's indicative of a prison tattoo. Exactly. So these are all like prison tattoos by the prison... A tattoo artist. Not this isn't Hollywood ink, you know. One of them, a Confederate flag. Officials believe he is affiliated with the Alabama-based white supremacist prison gang, Southern Brotherhood. Vicki White sold her home on February 24th, just a day before inmate White returned to the jail she worked at for upcoming court appearances. Vicki had been with the department for nearly 16 years. Her colleagues seemed stunned. And we learned new information today that law enforcement are looking into inmate White's involvement in a different case, the death of a woman in 2008. This is a photo of Christy Shelton. Her family says she used to date Casey White. He was there when Christy was shot in the chest with a sawed-off shot off shotgun in 2008. The time was ruled a suicide. Her family has always believed that Casey White 
was responsible. Many are also looking back at the case of Joyce Mitchell, who worked in an upstate New York maximum security prison's tailor shop. The then 51-year-old helped convicted murderers David Sweat and Richard Matt escape. She backed out at the last minute of actually meeting and running off with them. The manhunt lasted 22 days before Matt was killed and Sweat was captured. Just before White was sentenced to spend five years behind bars, she said this when asked why she did it. I was going through a time where I, I didn't feel like my husband loved me anymore. And I guess it was just me. I was going through depression. And I guess they saw my weakness. And that's how it all started. Thank you for watching. Click the red subscribe. So, I mean, that the woman who uh, helped the two uh, murderers escape from uh, uh, Clinton prison in Dannemora, New York, that similar, potentially similar psychological background as uh, Vicki White. You know, maybe she's depressed. She doesn't have, uh, she doesn't have love in her life, you know, and uh, potentially that could be the same reason that she... Uh, did what she did, but what, what just throwing away a whole life is, to me, is rather uh, it's a huge deal. You know, think about it, Billy. Someone who is depressed, uh, mentally unstable, uh, gone through a life of disappointments, her marriage uh, not too good, obviously, uh, found somebody who was drug addicted. So a person in that state of mind can be manipulated rather easily. Um, now, this is just not everyday manipulation. I mean, she threw away her whole career, her whole life. She went into a, a criminal world, so to speak. And again, if she was evaluated the day before or even today um, by a psychiatrist, I think that they would find that there would be personality flaws, maybe deep depression, uh, psychological issues is the point. And she was very vulnerable it sounds like to me, and she was manipulated into this uh, horrific uh, set of circumstances where they're on the run now, uh, armed and dangerous. Uh, it's not going to turn out good. It's just a matter of time. It took 22 days to capture those two guys that escaped from uh, upstate New York, uh, Clinton. Uh, they were just rogue uh, running through uh, you know, the woods of upstate New York, and they were eventually found and captured. Uh, the marshals uh, were hot on their tail. Uh, it's going to be a similar situation. I mean, it's a Mutt and Jeff team. He's six, nine, she's five, five, uh, all those tattoos that they've, uh, circulated on him, uh, the different color hair on her, they could, uh, you know, shave their heads, uh, dye their hair, whatever. Uh, they're going to get spotted. It's just going to be a matter of time. And again, I think that her mental state, hopefully she has a moment of clarity, and just decides to, you know, pick up the phone and tell law enforcement where they are or something to that effect. I would really hope and pray that. And this thing can end peacefully without any violence. Vet girl, uh, RW bus. She had such a strategic plan. I wonder how many cars she purchased and where, in my opinion, she has a planned out system. You know, vet girl, there's, I love reading these because there's so, there's so much potential conjecture and there's so much potential possibilities but we don't know could she have bought more than one car and planted the other car away far away so they drove to it with that red i mean it seems like it's almost putting a bullseye on the side buying a red suv but again it was a 2007 so she she probably didn't have to pay too much for it they could dump that car pretty easily if they did have another car along their route she had a lot of time to plan this um She's been, you know, she's not a police officer. People keep making that mistake. I would sometimes argue whether or not, I guess you would have to say corrections are law enforcement in a way that they're, they're not. They're, they're not law, they're not enforcing the law. They're watching and they're supervising lawbreakers. I don't know. Uh, maybe someone in the chat can set me straight, but I, I have a hard time thinking of correction officers as law enforcement officers in the same way they don't have the same instincts as law enforcement officers. It's a whole different thing. And I'm not belittling, belittling what they do. I could never have been a correction officer. I just would not have liked it at all. I being locked down and the whole, the whole situation. I just, I think that you bring that job home with you much more. You do police too, but much more as a correction officer. So potentially, right. She could have planned this for months and months and months 
And yes, she has a law, a law enforcement type background, and she has to know that, you know, the first thing police would do is track your cell phone. So she either got some boost phones, you know, some burner phones, uh, but she's going to call somebody. You know, they one of the things when you say, just like investigating a homicide, you do a victimology. Who are the people that she's closest to? Let's dump their phone. Let's do a search warrant on their phone to see incoming calls. Where are they getting calls from? That could be, voila, you, we got them. We got, their, we got their burner phone number, you know? Yeah, uh, Vet Girl makes a, a real good point. I mean, the fact that the car was like a bright reddish orange, whatever it was, kind of sticks out. So maybe there is another vehicle that uh, remains to be seen that, uh, you know, it could have been they outwardly purchased this vehicle or she did and, uh, you know, to kind of throw investigators off. That is a bit uh, of a conspiracy theory, so to speak. I mean, it's pretty uh, an intricate detail, but you never know. It sounds like this was planned out. Bill, I want to make a point about the two differences between correction offices and law enforcement offices. There are different areas of the correction department. Now, I had a cousin who was a correction officer, and he wound up working outside of the jail. He was actually an investigator, investigating all the different gangs. He would work along with NYPD to uh, give information, gather intel on different gangs, get information. He had informants in the jail and such like that. So there are parallels. However, if you're a correction officer and you slide over to the NYPD or you, you know, you, you get hired by the NYPD, training starts all over again. You go back just into the police academy as anybody else would. So there is two different types of uh, background and training on the corrections officers and law enforcement officers. However, they all fall under law enforcement, I guess we could say. So uh, just a little uh, side note on that. You know, very difficult for this guy. Setting where you see the picture there's of like a there. vacant cell open next door, a couple cell doors down, where the staff member will take the inmate in the middle of the night out of the cell, walk him two cells down and, I don't know, do whatever. So she's convenient, but does he really need her? Probably not. I mean, he can't, he can't hide. This guy's six foot nine. This is a former inmate talking about um, on Ashley Banfield. Crazy ideas. She had plenty of time, Ashley, to plan this out, really. She probably rented a place, I don't know, 150, 200 miles away, stocked it with food, ammunition, whatever they needed. And they're just hiding out for things to cool down. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I know the mindset of the criminal and how they think. Well, and and you have a term uh, that is used on the inside for people who cozy up to guards to get special attention. Yeah. What's that term? They're called, we call them leg riders. They're riding the cop's leg for special favors. Extra phone calls, extra uh, minutes on their phone, extra food, special visits. I mean, all kinds of things. She obviously provided some type of special services for him. We don't know to what extent, but people who cozy up to the cops, generally other inmates think they're like a rat or an informant. You're supposed to limit your contact with correctional officers. And this is a red flag. Inmates try to trade information to staff for their own personal use, their own favors. What really surprises me is that none of the inmates reported this to internal affairs or whoever. Now, maybe other inmates were in on it and knew what was going to happen. In a federal institution, when people escape, they generally lock the place down for about two weeks and they interview each and every person, each and every inmate. Now, right now, they're combing through his telephone records to see who he might have called. And they're probably getting her CDRs from her cell phone or call detail reports. And they're trying to string things together. She's probably got a burner phone. But what she doesn't know, if she traveled and set things up in advance, it's kind of like the Capitol riot where they're able to track the cell phones. They could ping her phone and go back maybe a month. They can see all the places her phone was used at and use that as the location to concentrate their search. I, I just, looking at this video, I just find it so, 
astounding, Larry. And I got to wrap it here, but just the fact that they just walked out so cavalierly. He didn't even have leg, leg shackles on and no one- he did have leg shackles. Yeah, he actually did have leg shackles on. You'll see, you'll see him walk ever noticed the logs that she was visiting him at the prison. Well, I know you've got to wrap this up, but real quick, even in a federal institution, let's say a minimum security camp where there's no fences, there's no cells. When an inmate goes on a medical trip, there's always two staff members with them. And this should have been the initial red flag to whoever was there on duty watching her take him away. But she was assistant director of corrections. So essentially... She was the other cop's boss. So go figure. Yeah. And weirdly enough, because they were holding him at this jail and they knew that he had intentions to escape, they had instituted the policy of a uh, dual officer escort. And there she is breaking it right in front of everybody and right in front of the cameras. Larry, I'm going to ask you back, too, because I think that this uh, this story is not over. And I think. You know, folks, one thing I think is, is important to point out, uh, a jail is where you go to serve less than a year, all right? And a jail can also be used as a holding center for those awaiting trial. Once you're convicted and sentenced, you must go to a prison. That is where you, in ex, you're sentenced in excess of one year. You must serve your time in a prison. So he was trying purposely to get into a jail because he knew the security was much more lax because he planned to escape. And think of how calculating this is. He confessed to a murder that they didn't even know he was involved in so he could get into this jail in order to go to his pretrial hearings. So think about how calculated that is. That's how confident he was that he could escape from this this jail. Absolutely, Billy. And uh, that was a great point that you just brought out. The difference between a jail and a prison jail is obviously you're in a holding pattern, uh, letting the court system work through to get your case heard. And a a prison is once you're sentenced, you go to a prison and you, you do your time. And I think you're making another great point because prison's security system, it's much more layered. Uh, you have to go through many doors to get from the tier to the front door of the prison. And I know that from experience going into jails to interview prisoners and, and uh, you know, perpetrators in, in specific crimes in the past. So, uh, again, where a county jail, it might be just one door or two doors to get to, to get to the outside. And again, protocol was obviously uh, not followed. Uh, there should have been at least two uh, prison guards escorting uh, someone that size. And uh, one of the people in the chat, uh, I didn't see the name, but she mentioned that uh, she said, what do you think about uh, female uh, correction officers in a female jail and male correction officers in male jails? I think that does make sense. However, a lot of times the prisons and the jails have uh, females and males mixed in in the same, you know, maybe not in the same cell block, but in the same prison, same jail. So uh, I think that's a good policy, though, if you kept, you know, Phil, I think because of like affirmative action that was disallowed, women wanted to be allowed to work in both. And I think that the federal law made it that women could uh, work in either a male or a female prison. So it seems like that would make sense, but uh, you know the law sometimes uh, makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know? and then you have the people that don't identify as their their uh, their sex. Males identify as females. Females identify as males and such. So I guess it becomes uh, very very uh, confusing and convoluted. So they, like you said, they have both male and female corrections officers mixed in. But again, with, with someone that's you know he's a maximum security prisoner. He's sentenced to seventy five years. He's six foot nine. He can easily overpower a man or a woman uh, that's smaller than him. So I, I think that that was obviously a protocol that should have been followed. There probably should have been three correction officers. Uh, you know, even two correction officers might have a hard time controlling someone of that size. You know, he's like a gorilla, that guy. So again, yeah. uh, protocol was not followed. Red flags should have went off all over the place. The phone calls, uh, like I said previously, I think once an investigation is done by the attorney general or the inspector general of that specific uh, county, there's going to be some heads rolling. Sherry, uh, Shelly Tarbot, he confessed to the murder to be returned to that jail, yeah. in my opinion. Shelly, I uh, just stated that exactly. He, he, That's how calculated, cold and calculated he was, that he's ready to take a death penalty case on because he was confident 
that he could escape from that jail and he knew that he couldn't escape from that prison. Billy, fact, think about it. He's sentenced to 75 years. He's got nothing to lose. So if he, 75 years, he's going to die in jail. So if he takes this chance, admits to this murder, he knows he's going to go to a lower security prison and he's going to attempt an escape. It was his only way out. So it was calculating, but it was actually in a way smart on his point. You know, think about it. 75 years in jail. He's not getting out. He's going to go out in a body bag. That's for sure. You know what, folks? The part of this investigation, uh, and we we talked about it yesterday, that's so important, is the public, is the eyes and the ears of the public. That is how these two are going to get caught. That is how the two inmates from Danamora got caught. It was, they were up in a very sparsely populated uh, area of upstate New York. They're in the backwoods, and you know they had as much to fear from the hunters up in that part of the... Uh, Upstate New York, you know, thank God for the Second Amendment. All these people were armed and they were loaded for bear when these two escaped. And um, the state police also, you know, when they talk shoot on sight, that's not exactly the law. But, you know, no one's really going to put a huge investigation into someone killing a, a a lifer that escaped prison, you know. And um, the, the first guy that was shot, the second guy, Sweat, was shot twice by a state police sergeant the first guy i'm not thinking of his name right now he was shot dead when i guess he uh they had been armed and he didn't comply with directions and he was shot dead so no one was shedding any tears for these two guys and that's what could happen in this case no one's going to shed any tears if this ends very violently you know it's just uh people aren't going to care about a lifer and a correction officer who, who helped a lifer escape from prison. No one's going to care. And uh, that's why whatever happens to Vicky White, you know, is, 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 you know, you want to play with fire. As they say, you can get burned. And that, that very well could be what, what happens to her. Jail before his conviction, but after he was transferred to the Donaldson Correctional Facility in Bessemer, Blakely says he began receiving letters. After he was in the penitentiary, he wrote me several times one time telling me that he could solve a murder for Lauderdale County. In further correspondence, Blakely tells News 19 White was desperate for a transfer. It's my understanding, according to Casey, he'd been shanked a couple times while he was there in prison. He didn't like it down there and wanted to get back in the county jail. After confessing, White was charged with the murder of Connie Ridgway in 2020. He later pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disease to those charges. Prosecutors said White claimed he was paid to kill Ridgway. He was set to go on trial in April of this year, leading to his return to the Lauderdale County Detention Center for pretrial motions. But that trial was continued to June. And White is now on the run with the jail's assistant director of corrections, Vicki White. They're probably trying to put as much distance between this area uh, and, and themselves as, as they possibly can. Blakely issued a warning for the public. I would suggest that anyone uh, that comes in contact with him be extremely cautious. And not only that, any officer that comes in contact with him. And an invitation to Casey White. Call me, come see me, let's see if we can straighten this mess out. Now, former Sheriff Blakely said he's known Casey White since he was a child. In that 2015 encounter, Blakely convinced White to drop his gun and to give himself up to authorities. Now, you can see dash cam video of that standoff on whnt.com. Jerry. So you can see he has quite a long history, but that was the whole case where he pled guilty in order to get transferred out of state prison into the jail, and you know they said, oh, he was shanked quite a few times. You know that's part of being in state prison. You know, I mean, who knows if that's even true, Billy? That might have been part of uh, him. You know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk because I'm getting shanked and get himself transferred into that prison. So I I don't know how much of that I buy. He's a big guy. He's a medicine guy. Maybe he did get shanked. Who knows? He's a white supremacist. Uh, you know, that's not going to go over big in jails most of the time. So, uh, you know, it, it may be true, may not be true, but think about this for a second, put yourself in the mindset of the U S marshals that are looking for this guy. You got a, 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 a guy that's a 75 year sentenced, uh, it's a lifer basically, um, uh, they're armed probably with an AK 47, a shotgun and a pistol. Uh, and it sounds like he has nothing to lose. It sounds like she threw her life away. So she has nothing to lose. Now there's an ethical line that you're going to cross where, you know, even though they may have the green light shoot to kill if they, if they spot them, but if they, uh, try to get them to, to, you know, to surrender and they don't, 
it's not going to be much of a uh, choice to make here that they're going to, you know, meet with a, a very, very violent ending. So uh, if they should happen to be seeing this uh, podcast, they should really think about that. I mean, he sounds like he's got nothing to lose, but this young lady uh, still has uh, a chance to see the light of day if she, you know, gives up. So again, it's not going to be, uh, you know, you're in the mind of that officer, that federal marshal that's going to try and uh, take them into custody. You know, you're not going to leave a lot of room for uh, error. You know, you're going to be very, very sharp on, you know, they make any move that's an overt action. Uh, the bullets are going to start flying. That's the bottom line. That's for sure. That's for sure. Schmitty, thank you for the $5 super chat. I have a friend who is six foot nine and 280 pounds. What are the chances of your world twin with those stats as an escapee? Oy, I'd be a little nervous if I was him because he's going to get stopped all the time if he looks anything like this guy, you know? Yeah, really? Uh, I told the story yesterday. We were looking for this guy for a murder, and um, uh, it was on 145th Street in the 3-2 Precinct, and we had set up detectives and cops all over the place, and some detective spots this guy, six foot nine, fit the description perfectly. He tackles the guy. And it wasn't the guy, you know, what chances another six foot nine and the guy who we were looking for sees the police tackle this guy and he starts running. So he ID'd himself basically by running once he saw the, so two six foot nine guys, you don't want to see a lot of six foot nine guys when you're looking for a six foot nine guy, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Billy, I, I'm going to go back to the story that I told yesterday. I had a guy wanted a six foot 10 guy. And I, like I said, I, I had chased him around. He moved from place to place and I kept getting information and he moved three times. Then he was in the wind. I didn't have eyes on him. Didn't know where he was. So I put a wanted card in. Now this is weeks later, probably about six weeks later. You know, he's in the back of my mind. I'm not thinking about this guy, but I go out for coffee one morning and the people are crossing in front of the car in the crosswalk. And there was just one head that was much higher than all the rest of them. And I just zeroed in on that and it clicked right in my head. And I told the guy I was with Steve Greco. I'm like, that's the guy I'm looking for. We jumped out, we grabbed him. And uh, he even had fake identification on him because he knew he was wanted, but he stood in the area. So we wound up getting that guy. But the six foot 10 hulking individual that this guy was very similar to uh, uh, Casey White. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to blend in. Uh, you know, it's just not going to happen. No, you know, it's another story. I remember there was a, a stick up team driving a white car and all of them were armed with guns and they had done numerous stick ups. Remember back in the nineties and the late eighties, there were robbery patterns. Sometimes they'd grow to 40, 50, 60 robberies in a pattern and this team had been doing stick-ups all over Manhattan and the Bronx and Brooklyn. And I remember every street crime unit, every anti-crime unit all over the city was stopping white cars. And back then, it wasn't like you were just stopping them. They were getting guns out of these cars that weren't the right car, but they were still getting guns. That's how many guns were out there then. They were pulling over cars. Yeah, I pulled over this white car. Each guy had a gun. There were four guns. I'm like, oh, my God. Am I just randomly pulling over right white cars, you know? <laughs> Hey, listen, you know, uh, sometimes uh, there are coincidences where you grab somebody and they fit the description to a T, but it's not the right person. But that's what good police work is about. Sometimes those things do happen. But once you establish that it's not the person, uh, you know, they, they're sent on their way and, you know, uh, apologies, obviously. And uh, But it's not like you're doing it just to uh, pick people out of a crowd and bother people or harass people. It's about good police work. Absolutely. Marie Green, do you think all the other inmates will rat on him? Of course they will. There is no honor among thieves. All of these guys rat. They act like they're stand-up guys. There's no such thing as a stand-up guy. That's what they say in the Colombo crime family. But there's no such thing as a stand-up guy, believe me. Well, you know, don't forget, too, there's going to be a trade. You know, I give you this information. I want more privileges or phone calls or whatever it may be, a, a conjugal visit, whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, at this point anybody's going to show loyalty to this guy. And uh, it should be uh, they probably interviewed all of his uh, cellmates. Or anybody they probably don't him. hate him. They probably hate this guy. He's probably a big bully and they all despise him. Shelly yeah. Tarbert. They showed the video of her taking him out of the jail. I'd like to see what she put in the sheriff's car when she picked it up. Did she have bags of clothes, et cetera? Probably all of that stuff would have been in the red SUV, which they drove the sheriff's car to the parking lot. Then they exchanged cars. Probably the red car was all packed up with guns or AR-15. Her nine, Well, she had a 9 millimeter on her and the shotgun and whatever else she had. All that was packed up in the red SUV. Then they're ready to go. And like some of you guys said, and I think it's probably a, a, a pretty good uh, guess, 
Maybe she even had a, 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 a second car. Maybe the red SUV was the throwaway. That's it right. Was 2007. Let's drive that for 50 or 100 miles. Let's get rid of it. We'll jump in this car. They don't know about the second car. Very good sleuthing, amateur sleuthing, you guys, but uh, excellent. Think about it. She could get that car, bring it to work, say, yeah, look at the new car I bought, blah, 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 blah. You know, make everybody see it. It kind of sticks out. It's bright, bright color. So, uh, again, that's, yeah, that's that's a good uh, thing that I'd be looking at for sure. And uh, if she uh, purchased the car, maybe she didn't even register it. She could have just bought it, uh, taken possession of it, and just thrown plates on it. You know, God only knows. Uh, so I'm sure that they're they're looking into all of these different possibilities. MMM, I don't know if you're playing me, but uh, what is a stick up? You don't know what a stick up is? Give me all your money. Yeah, that's when someone points a gun at you and says, give me all your money, right? Or give me your watch. Give me what you got. Yeah. That's a stick yeah. up. I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you're playing me. I don't well, know. Well, st stick up, I guess that the the term comes from, you know, people put their hands up. Yeah, stick know? them up. Yeah, stick, stick up your hands. Up. Right, exactly. In yeah. uh, MN, uh, Weatherly case investigators were on the lookout for blue vehicles. He never knew there were so many blue vehicles when you start to look for them. Of course. Well, it's like in the, in the, the Beltway sniper case. For some reason, they were looking for a white box truck, even though just because there happened to be some of those on the scene, no one saw shots being fired from it or at it or whatever. And after a while, that's all they were seeing on the road were these big white box trucks. And it turned out white box trucks had nothing to do whatsoever with that case. But, you know, you get witnesses that see it. Someone in the chat just said that, uh, and I, unconfirmed, and sometimes I don't even report this because of that, that the red SUV was recovered in Tennessee. I have no information whether that's true. If someone can verify that for me in the chat i'd appreciate it but they I probably read the same thing that i read yesterday of course tennessee was where it said it was found yesterday the thing that okay i, read. I don't know if it's confirmed like you said billy let's not yeah we have no uh sure. confirm yeah confirmed information we're going to take a real short break and we'll be right back Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Looking for a vacation oasis? The Comfort Inn Oceanside in sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida has you covered. Take a dip in the outdoor heated pool with a water slide for the kids. Have a cocktail poolside or relax in the Oasis Courtyard Lounge. Just a short walk to the best restaurant shops and the Deerfield Beach International Fishing Pier. Soak up the sun, swim in the pristine blue ocean, or stroll along the famous beach. Maybe enjoy a sunset from a beachside restaurant. Guests enjoy a complimentary breakfast and free brewed coffee 24-7. If you mention police off the cup at booking, you'll receive a 20% discount. That's right, a 20% discount. So book your, uh, your stay today by calling 954-428-0650. John Beatty Law, www.jbdlaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He is also a retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. For over 15 years, John has litigated some of the largest accident and malpractice cases and verdicts, settlements in the country. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. You know, I forgot to put up... I forgot you to didn't put, put up, up the banner, but I didn't want to interrupt you while you were doing that's it. That's all right. I, 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 I think John will forgive me. I'll just show it quickly. It's John's banner right there. Uh, retired sergeant, great attorney. Uh, Great supporter of police off the cuff. And John, I'll, I'll give you a free one for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you were going so good, Billy. I didn't want to, uh, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you, but yeah, that, that, it's great to have these sponsors and, and these, uh, especially the attorneys, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a nice feeling. And listen, if you want to stay in Florida at the comfort in Oceanside, 20%, just mention it at booking, you get a 20% discount on your rate. Someone's saying article says towing yard in Bethesda, Williamson County, Tennessee. Again, we don't have any confirmation on that. Uh, let's see. 
I don't see. I see some information in the chat, but I'm not sure what. Uh, uh, Bill and Phil, someone is saying there is a press conference at 2 p.m. Maybe you could play it live. Uh, I, I, I could, I could search Phil. Uh, I'm not seeing anything uh, live in the chat that I could, uh, I could play right now. But I don't know if they caught these no, people. It's they... actually uh, 150. So if that's 2 p.m., it's not, uh, it's not even right. airing yet, and we can't play live. Uh, no, you can't. Anymore. We can't play live uh, news anyway because you get hit with a copyright strike. But uh, I'll I'll look into it, but I don't uh, I don't see anything uh, on. Uh, well, let's hope if there is a two p.m. Uh, news news conference that they're going to provide maybe an update, uh, you know, location where they were last seen, or maybe even possibly that they were captured. Let's keep our fingers crossed, and again, let's hope for a nonviolent. Uh, uh, taken into custody, that no one gets hurt. We don't want to see violence on either side, either these two or any law enforcement officers. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. So I can't, you know, I can't verify this. And, you know, folks, we're going to stay with this. So if there is um, breaking news on this case, we'll come back live tonight, you know, uh, but we can't, we're not like uh, CBS or NBC or CNN. We can't just go to a live feed Phil, we don't have a, you know, we don't have another Brooklyn reporter out in, out in the field down in Tennessee. You know, we'll fly, we'll fly Vinny Bega Donuts down to Tennessee, and we'll see if he can report live. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be nice if we had that option, but obviously uh, that's not the case. But listen, if something breaks in the next couple of hours or tomorrow, whatever it is, we're always going to uh, jump in and get on it. Even if I'm out and about, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll go on with our cell phones just to uh, give an update. So we're right on top of it. And uh, let's hope, like I said, that this thing turns nonviolent and comes to an end. Karen Kennedy, empath. I'm not sure. Empaths and narcissists are drawn to each other. They can love bomb you at the beginning and be very charming. It happened to me. I doubt she is good at setting boundaries. You know, I think that that the the job of correction officer is is a very dangerous job, and and not just physically, but mostly mentally. You know, uh, mentally, it just wears on you. Uh, I don't think many people make it to 20 years in that job. I really don't. People, they're sick. Leave time is off the charts. Uh, they have difficult time in New York City to get anyone to take the job uh, at On Rikers Island. It's just a it's a disaster of a job, and even though it pays pretty well, it's it's not the type of job that that you want. It's very tough. Velvet Angel. They started contact in 2020 when he was placed in Lauderdale County, but has been told her. Uh, no, he she was never married to his uncle. No, that's not true. Um, I have I read all uh, the little tidbits on her background, um, but it's you know, folks. MMN misunderstood. I agree, but it's still an excellent. Are you calling the police on the police, folks? These these units like corrections, the police. The police have internal affairs. Corrections is supposed to have a unit called the Inspector General that is supposed to keep correction officers honest. When they break protocol, they break policy, they're supposed to be disciplined. Uh, look, they, one of the biggest problems they have on Rikers Island is correction officers bringing contraband into the precinct. Absolutely. You know, whether it be drugs, food, whatever it is, they're not allowed to bring stuff into the inmates. But they get these inmates that manipulate these correction officers. They threaten them. They say they know where they live. They do this. They, they, they got people out on the street. That can threaten them. So it's a very, very tough job, tough situation. As I said, I would have never taken that job under any circumstances. Billy, I'm getting something on my cell phone. Uh, I'm getting a text message. Uh, Alabama prison escapee Casey White and Vicky White seen in new images and du duo of AIDS capture. It says that they do have the orange or red uh Ford Escape that they they dumped it. That's uh, they have the car Fox 12, 12 minutes ago. Uh, yeah, ca car looks like it has been abandoned, uh, not confirmed. Uh, possibly uh, it's it's being reported on Fox News. Fox yeah, News according Fox. to Smitty, breaking news on Fox car linked to fugitive inmate prison guard may have been found, but we don't yeah. have. It's not confirmed. The, look, the car could have been abandoned 
you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, we don't know when it was yeah. abandoned. But as we said, we can't go to breaking news on on the, on this podcast. It's uh, when you well, look at the vehicle, though, Billy, it's like a, it's like a giant red flag. It's it's impossible to miss. It's like an orange red color. So that maybe it was a ploy that they purchased that car, and there is another. Car. That's what I was thinking is that they may have had a second car. Yeah, they you know that would that car. You're right. A red car. They tell you never buy a red car because the police pull over red cars way more often than any other car. Because it just stands out so much. I mean, I never knew that to be true. I don't think I did that. But uh, they say that that statistically, red cars get pulled over way more often than any other color. There's also an insurance statistic that red cars are involved in more accidents. Uh, the color of the car uh, has something to do with accidents. I guess the uh, the least amount of uh, accidents is a white car, I know. So in the most is a red car. So anything in between, you know, you can come up with your own theories, but uh, that is an insurance statistic. JU's the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office has announced Sheriff Rick Singleton will hold a press conference at the Lauderdale County Courthouse at 2 p.m. Uh, Friday. So maybe they have some breaking news. Peter Rabbit, um, I'm not sure you can get in trouble over news. Others play news. I play the news all the time, but if you play live news, you will get yeah. hit with what's called a copyright strike. Three copyright strikes on YouTube, it's like baseball. You're out. You, you lose your yeah. channel. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, uh, I, I believe me, I know what I'm talking about because I've gotten hit with copyright things, but never a strike, thank God. A strike is very serious. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm okay with that, Billy. I mean, listen, when you think about it, it's uh, live news. If they're, you know, if they're broadcasting it live, why should someone else have the right to, uh, to, to, to copy it? You know, uh, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not uh, complaining about. It. I'm just explaining to our listeners that that's yeah. why we can't do it. You know, uh, it's 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 a it's a no no on uh, on YouTube, folks. I just want to make a, a little announcement. I, I put it on our um, Facebook. I put it on the Police Off the Cuff site. YouTube, as of June third, is kicking us off their site. We're not allowed to live stream on the YouTube. Uh, not excuse me, on the Facebook site. We're not allowed to live stream on Facebook. So we'll only be live on YouTube uh, starting on June 3rd. I also put this uh, broadcast on Anchor and won nine listening sites. So if you want to listen to us in your car, you, well, you can do it via YouTube, via your phone, but you can also do it on your radio, via Spotify, via Google. I can't even think of all nine sites. So we're gonna, we have a lot of exposure. But uh, again, Facebook, which is all about Facebook, uh, they do nothing for anyone. Uh, in fact, you know, they would ask you to pay for ads to put on your own podcast and uh, for the fact that they would try to spread it out more. So if any of you folks are watching it on Facebook, you you can't do that as of June 3rd. So please subscribe to our YouTube. It's free. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell, you know. And uh, we, we'd rather have you on as a subscriber on our YouTube anyway, you know. As I said, Facebook hasn't done uh, much for anybody. Um, Billy, well, I'm I think a text message from my brother, Big Nick. Uh, it's being reported, Fox News, breaking news, Marshall's tracked down SUV allegedly used in Alabama prison escape. So the vehicle has been tracked down. It uh, doesn't say anything about uh, whether or not either one of the two have been uh, have been uh, taken into custody. I don't think that's the case, but it's being reported. So I pretty much could say uh, it's fact that the vehicle has been uh, has been found. The uh, the orange red uh, Ford Edge. 10-9. Um, you just put that up there. I missed you. The uh, probably have ex-cons. They got another car from and the red one was supposed to be found decoyed by his time. I agree with you. Could be. It almost seems like she purposely bought a red car as a decoy. And if she did do that, that was pretty smart. Pretty smart to do that. It was. You know? That uh, sounds like something that might have came out of his noggin, you know, uh, when they were planning. You know, yeah, people had asked earlier about the, the white supremacy factor. He's in, you know, some of those white supremacist groups are just prison gangs. Yeah. Uh, they are uh, specifically and almost entirely part of the state prison system however some of them do have factions on the outside could they be getting help from one of these um white supremacist organizations on the outside yeah i mean they could is it likely you know i'm not sure uh, maybe the 
we could address that when we get someone from either ATF or the or the or the Fugitive Enforcement Division on our show. We're hoping to go on again today. If this is really good breaking news, we will definitely be on. I was trying to get someone from the Fugitive Enforcement Division to give us a little insight on how they go about looking for these folks and some of the investigative resources they use. I have uh, a call in, Bill, so I'm waiting on a call back. So hopefully, all right, great. Uh, so, folks. We're not, I'm not going to confirm, but we'll probably go live tonight at around 6 p.m. Uh, and hopefully, and if this is a really good update, uh, this two o'clock uh, press conference, it may just be that they found the car, which really isn't, you know, super, super breaking news. I don't think it's going to help all that much. It's a, it does give them a direction that they were going uh, prior, you know, to dumping the car. Phil, final words. Final words, like I've been saying through the episode last night in this episode let's hope for uh, a non-violent confrontation uh, a surrender hopefully uh, we don't want to see anyone get hurt it's just going to be a matter of time apparently there's going to be new t- details at this press conference vehicle has been recovered uh, and it's just uh, a matter of time it's a waiting game at this point I'm sure the marshals are uh, you know uh, working at this 24/ uh, 7 chomping at the bit uh, to try and bring these two to justice so uh again uh just a matter of time time's running out for them uh let's hope that it uh, doesn't end violently absolutely folks uh this has been police off the cuff real crime stories uh hopefully we'll be on again tonight at six with some breaking news with this case i know there's an extreme amount of interest let's face it it's an interesting case thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon stay safe everyone so just ain't enough